Hey, welcome to church at River Point and Weston Church. I am so excited that you have joined us for church today. We are in part two of a series from 2 Corinthians that we have called Don't Lose Heart. And if you missed part one last week, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to Patrick's message because it was so helpful, especially in light of all that we have been through uh, in 2020. Am I right? It was so encouraging to hear that we don't need to lose heart or, or don't allow our discouragement to lead us into despair uh, when our life gets hard or when the things, the circumstances around us just seem like they're never going to change. That it's in those seasons that God wants to strengthen us and and equip us uh, so that we can be a help to other people. That was so good to hear. Well, today we move into chapter two, and we're going to focus on three verses near the end of chapter two uh, that I hope will encourage you in a different but equally helpful way. And before we read these verses, uh, I want you to think about a question, all right? This is going to be a question that I want you to think about as we read and study and apply these three verses from chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. And that question is this. What do you smell like? What do you smell like? Now, I know it's probably a funny question, one that you may never have been asked before uh, at church or, or by a pastor, but I want you to think about what you smell like. I mean, if you uh, spend your time in the landscape business, you probably smell a lot like, like fresh-cut grass, or if you're an auto mechanic, you may smell like the garage that you work at. When I was in high school, if you had asked me this question, I would have said that, that I smell, or at least I wanted to smell, like Dracar Noir. Dracar Noir. Anybody else uh, smell like that or want to smell like that in high school? Anybody know what Dracar Noir is? If, if you don't know what it is, this is what it is. It's this cologne that was very popular in the early 90s, at least in Katy, Texas, where I grew up. And the reason that I smelled like Dracar and wanted to smell like Dracar was because all the girls that went to high school with me loved the smell of Dracar. I don't know. You're a Snoop Dogg fan, and so you were wearing cool water cologne. Whatever it was, we have kind of this natural scent. But more than really thinking about what you actually smell like. I want you to think about that question on a little bit deeper level. So, you know, smell is so closely tied to emotion and our memories and the things that we feel. Uh, I want you to think about this. When I say, what do you smell like? What are the ideas or the emotions that people associate with your presence in their life? Whenever you're around or whenever a memory of you is brought back to them, what is it that they think about? How does that make them feel? So think about that question as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Here's what it says. Paul writes, he says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some, we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others, an aroma of life leading to life. Who is adequate for these things, Paul asks there. In these three verses, Paul is, is using a reference from that, that first century of the Roman Empire that as you and I read these verses in 2020, we might miss. But this was an analogy that was uh, very relevant to the world that they were living in and their experience in living as a part of that Roman Empire. And it's the reference to, uh, to this triumphal parade, this, this championship parade, if you will. Read it again here in verse 14. It says, thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ. Christ's triumphal procession. So here's what you need to know. When a Roman general 
would go out to battle and take his army with him, either in conquest, trying to, to capture a new territory, or, or maybe defend their territory from someone who's trying to come in and invade. And when they would be victorious in that battle, they would come back to their hometown or wherever they were from, and they would be greeted with streets lined with citizens who were cheering and welcoming them back home in victory. Uh, think about the championship parades that we throw for, for championship teams, like the Astros in 2017. Or the Rockets back in, yeah, 1995, right? I mean, think about that and just and just multiply that big time. This is much grander than even that. So grand and and so uncommon that these kinds of things became the stuff of legend. And people would talk for generations about these parades and the experience of seeing the soldiers return from battle. And so as Paul kind of talks about us being led in Christ's triumphal procession, what he's trying to, the point he's trying to get across to us is that is he's trying to paint the picture that Jesus is like a triumphant, victorious general. And those of us who have uh, given our lives to him, those of us who are in relationship with him because we've been forgiven by him and, and, and we've experienced what it's like to be forgiven and find life in him, we can share in the victory of that parade. And Paul has extreme confidence in this because Paul knew how everything was going to turn out in the end. Listen, you don't have to be an expert in the book of Revelation to understand the final two chapters, all right? Spoiler alert, in the end of everything, Jesus wins. And those of us who have aligned ourselves with him, who've given our lives to him and experienced uh, life through the forgiveness of Jesus, we get to share in the spoils of that victory. Paul continues writing in 14 and verse 15, he says, and through us, talking about God now, he spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him, talking about Jesus, in every place. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So through us, God is spreading the aroma of the knowledge of Jesus in every place. Now listen, there is no sense uh, that, that brings up uh, stronger memories than the sense of, of scent or smell, right? Nothing elicits the kind of memory or the kind of response, emotional response, like, like the best and the worst of smells in your life. Like, like in fact, maybe the worst smells are the ones that conjure up uh, the most meaningful or powerful memories, I had the, uh, the opportunity to attend college in Lubbock, Texas, where I went to Texas Tech University. Everybody knows me, knows that I'm a proud Red Raider. But I'll be the first to admit that spending four years in Lubbock, Texas, uh, introduces you to some smells that you may want to avoid for the rest of your life. So to be perfectly honest, when the wind is coming from the southeast, okay, the entire city smells like well, I've been told it smells like money, okay? But let's just say there's about 40,000 cows on that side of town, and when the wind's coming in there, let's just say I will never forget that smell. And so when Paul uses these, these words like aroma and fragrance, what he's trying to teach us, or what I've learned, is that he's trying to say that the interactions that we have with people have the, the same potential to elicit that kind of powerful emotional response from the people that we're having those interactions with. 
right? Our lives can elicit that same kind of reaction. So the knowledge of of him, the one that, that Paul writes that we're sharing, well, that's simply the good news. The good news that God loves us and that that Jesus died for us and that if we're willing to accept his death on the cross as payment for our sins, uh, we can experience forgiveness and grace and live eternally with God forever. Our lives are meant to serve as as a witness to the goodness of that good news, of, of God's love for us. He continues writing in verse 16. To some, we are an aroma, that same kind of analogy, right? The aroma of death leading to death. But to others, we are an aroma of life leading to life. Now, this verse of the three is the one that I've wrestled with the most of the past few weeks as I've studied and prepared to teach today. And the reason that I've, that I've, that I've struggled with this is because Paul is, is quite honestly saying that even if even if we live the kind of life that, that God has prescribed for us, even if we're, we're obedient to God, which means we're, we're gracious with people and, and we're generous and we're kind and, and we're non-judgmental, even if we get it exactly right, it's, it's rather likely that it's not going to be met with uh, a completely enthusiastic response from everybody that we interact with, Right? Remember the, the Roman parade? Well, before we get there, think about Christmas, okay? Let me explain this. The same scent, a different response. So think about Christmas. It's coming up, right? And, and there are all sorts of smells and scents associated with Christmas. So maybe it's the, the smell of, of the Christmas tree, pine or, or fir or whatever that might be in your house. Or, or maybe it's the, the smell of, of wassail, you know, that, that you're making in your home when all the family is gathered together. Or the, or the smell of the ham or the turkey uh, from Christmas meal. Right? That kind of scent, for most people, uh, kind of puts a smile on our face, right? It makes us think back to Christmases of years past and the kind of great traditions that we associate with this season of Christmas and of celebrating the birth of Jesus. But that same smell isn't necessarily uh, going to prov- um, gonna elicit the same response from somebody who's experienced tragedy in the midst of the Christmas season. Or maybe somebody who's experienced a, 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 a loss, a deep loss since last Christmas. And so when they think about that and they think about Christmases in years past, what it actually brings to mind is, is the loss uh, and the depression that they feel over having to experience Christmas for the first time without someone that they love. The same smell, but two drastically different reactions. Well, I mentioned before that Paul used this image and and kind of this reference to a Roman parade. And it wasn't just so that the readers, you and I, would understand that we're part of Christ's victory. But the the aroma kind of plays into that as well. Because the parade itself uh, had kind of an order to it. There were different parts of the parade, just like uh, maybe the, the Thanksgiving Day parades that we watch on TV, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Are they are they doing that this year? I don't think they're doing that this year. Probably not. But, but you know what I'm talking about, right? There's, there's floats and there's, there's groups of, of dancers and there's law enforcement and there's marching bands and there's mounted police and there's kind of an order to it all. The grand marshal is somewhere in there. 
Well, just like there's an order and planning to the parades of, of, of now, the same thing was true for these Roman triumphal processions that Paul references. And, and what, all you really need to know about it is that part of the parade was a group of priests. Okay, These weren't Christian priests. They were uh, Roman priests that probably um, led people in worship of the Roman gods that you might be familiar with from middle school or something. And as those priests made their way through, they had these censers that they would swing back and forth with incense. And they would fill the streets and everywhere they go with the smell of this sweet incense. And, and for the people on the streets and for the soldiers who were coming back in victory, that was quite literally the smell of victory. But behind the priest, somewhere farther back in that procession, were the, the prisoners and the, and the people that had been fighting against that had been uh, captured in the war. Prisoners of war, captives of war. And as they made their way through the processionals, they were kind of being paraded or brought into the town. When they smelled that same incense, for them, it was a sign and a scent of impending doom. Most of the time they were executed. The best they could hope for was that they would be sold into slavery, which of course is not a life anyone would choose. That same scent would elicit two drastically different responses. And I think that's what Paul wants us to understand in this verse. That for people uh, who have found uh, life and hope and salvation in Jesus Christ, when we live a life that's the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of Christ, we're quite literally going to be wind in their sails. We're going to encourage them. Uh, They're going to be encouraged. Maybe even for people who haven't accepted Jesus before, uh, but they're open to it. They're searching. They wonder if Jesus could make a difference in their life. Then seeing us live it out uh, could encourage them to take that next step and exploring it for themselves, or maybe even cross the line and accept Jesus as their Savior. But for someone who hasn't uh, made a decision to follow Christ, it could be a drastically different reaction that we get. There are two reasons that I wrestle with this particular verse. The first reason is because, like you, I like being liked. I want to be well-received, right? Like, I want to be able to interact with somebody and put my best foot forward and for them to like me. Uh, And the other reason that I wrestle with this is because I don't want anybody to miss out on the good news that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I'd like to believe that if I were able to do enough, I could help anybody cross the line from unbelief to belief in a God that created them and loves them and wants to be in relationship with them forever. But if what Paul says is true in this passage, and I believe it is true, then even when you put your best foot forward, even when you get it exactly right, there's likely to be somebody in your life that doesn't like you or at least they're not going to like the way that they feel when they're around you. I think this is the reason why Paul wrote in another book, in Romans chapter 12, he wrote this. He said, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Right? I mean, Paul could, could quite easily just have said, live at peace with everyone. But what he says here, I think, points back to the fact that even if we do our very best, even if we are fully and completely obedient, which if we're honest, that's impossible, right? But even if we were, we couldn't guarantee that people would enthusiastically respond positively to us every single time. That's why he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, because living at peace with someone is also going to depend on someone else. 
I think that's why Paul was saying this. I think that's what I've taken from this particular passage. I don't know if that's an encouragement to you, but it does encourage me to know that, that I don't have that kind of power to, to make everyone like me or to make everyone like Jesus. I mentioned that I've been wrestling with this. I've been wrestling with it for a couple of weeks because I've known that I wanted to teach on these three verses. And so last Sunday, actually, I arrived early to church and I was talking with my friend Bain uh, about this particular passage and just kind of getting his thoughts on it. And, and, and some insight that he shared with me was very helpful. And, and maybe it'll help you kind of understand this as well. But he said, he said, Nathan, I think what he's trying to say is that, that our lives, as, as we do our best to follow Christ, uh, are going to serve as a mirror for some people. Right, like they're they're gonna they're gonna look at our life, and then they're gonna look at their life, and and we're not asking them to compare, but that's what they're gonna do. So for those who aren't following Christ, they're gonna look at, at our hope and, and our and our purpose, and 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 kind of the the fact that that we have this resolve about us, or maybe just the fact that we have a smile on our face when when everything around us is falling apart, and they're gonna go, why why do you have that? And maybe if they don't have something that gives them that same resolve or that same hope or that same joy, then then they're going to question their choices. They're going to question the direction of their life. They're going to question their lives in a way that isn't fun, isn't comfortable, isn't easy. And when they do that, it might mean that they don't like you or at least they don't want to be around you. I wish I could say uh, that if you were to live your life absolutely perfectly, uh, that people are going to like you and they're going to be open to following Jesus. But that isn't always the case. I mean, take, for example, Jesus and the Pharisees, right? I mean, Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. He lived the kind of life that the Pharisees, this, this group of, of Jewish teachers and, and, and lawyers uh, and the teachers of the law, they, were, they kind of put themselves out there as experts in leading and teaching people how to live the perfect life. And then all along comes Jesus, and Jesus actually just lives it out. And his ability to live it out in a way that's a little bit different than the way they were teaching, and certainly different than the way themselves were leading it, exposed their hypocrisy and exposed the places where they weren't just falling short, but they were actually completely wrong. And so there are going to be times where you're doing everything right. You're doing everything you can, and it's just not going to land the way you want it to. Now, listen, before, before we kind of wrap this up, I, I want to, to take just a moment and, and make sure that I make this caveat, if you will, okay? Some people are going to hear this, that, that you can do everything right, and some people just aren't going to like you, and, and they will. I don't know if that's you. I'm hoping it's not you. I would do this, all right, I'll just own that. You're, you're gonna take this as kind of a license that I, and, and say, well, I'm just gonna be me. And if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, you don't like me, right? And, and we'll kind of use this as an excuse for bad behavior or our personality or the way that we talk to or treat people. Uh, as people respond maybe not so positively to you, my encouragement would be, Make sure that it's, it's the Jesus in you that's offending them and that it's not the you in you, okay? Because just because somebody doesn't respond positively to you doesn't necessarily mean that they're not open to Jesus or the gospel or the good news that God loves them. It could just mean that you're a jerk, right? I mean, that's what it could mean. So be careful about that. 
But as we kind of wrap this up, here's how I want to encourage you, because I think if we really understand these three verses, if we understand the reference that Paul was making to the parade, and we understand kind of this idea that there's an aroma that our life was intended to produce that would point people back to Jesus, then there are two things that I believe are true. And these are the two things I want you to leave with today. The first one is this. Your mission is to live in such a way that others can see and come to know the good news of God's love for them. That is your mission. You are meant to be the fragrance of Christ that spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him around everywhere you go and everyone you meet. That is your mission. And so, uh, you know, your job is to stay connected. Right? Stay connected to the source so that you can make sure that you are walking in obedience, so that you are walking in faith. Right? Like read your Bible and pray and serve others. And when you come into a situation where you're not sure exactly like what the right thing to do is, then that's where you seek counsel with your small group or a Christian mentor. But stay connected and stay on mission right? The fragrance that you're supposed to to be producing, that is totally within your control, right? You determine your own odor, all right? You determine that. You have the power to determine the kind of aroma that your life spreads, the the response, or at least the things that people associate with your presence in their life. The second thing I want you to know is this, how others respond to the good news of Jesus doesn't affect your mission. So you determine your own odor, your own aroma or fragrance. You don't determine how people are going to respond to that, right? Like the the smells of Christmas are the smells of Christmas. Uh, How people respond to that isn't the smells of Christmas's fault. It's not the tree's fault or the wassail's fault or the turkey's fault. That's, that's going to reveal more about uh, the condition and place of uh, the person's heart uh, or the person's senses who are receiving that smell than it does about the actual uh, scent itself. And that's, that's what I want to encourage you with today, right? In God's arena, success doesn't have anything to do with how people respond. Success is all about living a faithful, steadfast, obedient life. Right? You can live in confidence when you know that the aroma of your life is, is a life marked by a relationship with Jesus. A life of, of humility and, and a life of, of offering other people grace and offering other people patience and, and understanding. And if people don't respond well to that, then, then you pray for them and, and you trust that, that maybe you've planted a seed and, and along their life somewhere else, somebody else will come and, and they'll spread that aroma in, in their way and, and, and God will capture their heart and ultimately they'll be able to walk in relationship with him forever. So here's how I want to encourage you. I want to tell you, don't lose heart when people don't respond the way you want. Don't be discouraged uh, when you don't see the kind of change that you were hoping to see. Don't, don't let uh, what seems like failure to progress in a certain way lead you down a dark road of despair that causes you to question your purpose. Like, don't let that do that. You've got you've to... to, to Put in your own mind that this is what I feel called to do. This is what I'm going to do. I know that ultimately I'm going to be uh, in that victory march with Jesus because in the end, he wins. 
And my job solely is to produce an aroma that reminds people of his goodness and his grace and his desire to be in relationship with them. So don't give up. If you live a life this way, I promise your life will produce fruit. Your odor is in your control. Other people's responses is not. Your mission, your mission is in life is to live in such a way that other people have, have, have the opportunity to accept or decline the invitation that God makes to be in relationship with him. That's exactly what you call to live. Your mission is to extend that invitation, but their response is on them. So I'm going to ask you these final two questions. I asked one to you earlier. I'm going to put it a little bit different way. But when people think about you, when, when, when there's a certain smell or a song or a story that makes them think about you, what is it that you hope that they associate with that memory? Or more simply put, what is it that you want to smell like? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for the way that you have worked in our life. God, I thank you for, for clear, um, just clear instructions in, in these three verses. Uh, God, that, that, that our mission is, is, to, is to, to take ownership and control over, over the fragrance that our life produces. God, that I pray that, that we would act and, and treat people in such a way uh, that they would get a clear picture of who you are and how good you are and how much you love them. And God, we pray that they would respond by, by wanting to be in relationship with you themselves. God, that's, we want to be used by you to reach people who aren't in relationship with you. God, we all want to be used for something much bigger than ourselves. But God, even when, when we experience um, less than the perfect response, I pray that you would uh, just keep our resolve focused on our mission and the fact uh, that we can be confident in living a life, a victorious life, with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.